Go ahead and have a seat if you can. My goodness, let me tell you something, church. Revival is about to break out in the house, God's house, called Faith Promise. He's about to do it. He's about to do it. We are a, we're, a, we're a big house now with lots of rooms. We got a Pellissippi room and a Blount County room and a North Knoxville room. We've got an internet room and an Anderson County room and a Campbell County room and a University of Tennessee room. And we believe revival is going to break out. One of our campuses I want you to pray for as you pray for us and each other is UT. Last semester, my son Micah began to give more leadership. Justin, one of our worship leaders, uh, and they led that campus last semester. In the greater Knoxville area, if you were to take the greatest percentage per capita of lost people per square foot of people far from God, without doubt, it would be University of Tennessee campus. Do you all agree with that? There, there are people from around the world, 50, 60, 70 nations. It's the greatest place to do foreign missions right here under our nose. And we need it. We need a plan from God how we're going to infiltrate that campus. Amen? So I want you to pray this week. As, as the team works and Mike is leading that, that deal, as, as they're on that campus, as, as God is drawn, we have a great team at Faith Promise who leads that work. And, and so I want you to pray for that campus. Also, do you believe revival is going to break out? Now listen, this is the deal. It is too late to prepare when opportunity knocks. You have to already be ready by faith, believing. So listen, this is the deal. We believe God's going to send us thousands of people. Every campus is going to grow. We're going to rock. And what we need is we need 100 new groups across Faith Promise globally. Many have stepped forward. But I'm always surprised at this. I want you all to help me. Are, are, are you listening? I don't understand why people go by and fill out a card and say, hey, I'd like to serve. Here's my number. And you won't return a phone call. By the way, your mom might not have told you, but it's rude. In Jesus' name, it's rude not to return a phone call. I'm just trying to love on you. Can you feel it? I'm just sharing. And so we, we need 100 new groups. Some of you haven't returned phone calls. Uh, some of you haven't filled out a card or stopped by our next steps area in the foyer and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm interested. On, on August the 2nd and 3rd, Friday night, Saturday, when we have a training, it's for every group leader. How many group leaders? How many? How many? Because when we get to that training, a lot of group leaders are going to say, I didn't know that was for me. If you've been a group leader, anybody have been a group leader? Faith Promise, raise your hand. Okay, see, that's not enough. Are you going to be a group leader? Raise your hand. Or you've ever dreamed about being a group leader, you need to sign up and go to that training on August 2nd and 3rd. Amen? Amen? Don't make me change my sermon because I will. I've got to, man, I've got to love, you know, just sort of build everybody up. I can go to, I can, I can get the stick out. Lock the doors, ushers, lock the doors. So we've got to be ready. Secondly, I, I grew up in the projects. I didn't have a dad. I didn't learn how to be a leader and how to stretch out. I was saved, and when I got saved, I realized that I was in the negative category that I had not learned how to be a man, didn't know how to be a husband, didn't know how to be a leader in the kingdom of God. I just knew I loved Jesus, and I knew I needed to get better. And Ecclesiastes says, for whatever you're doing, quit swinging the ax and sharpen it. And so we've got an upcoming event. It's the 8th and the 9th of October, Global Leadership Summit. It happens during the day, Thursday and Friday. It's $79 through tomorrow. If you'll go, put Global 13. 
And you say, hey, man, I got to work. I got other stuff. Listen, I want to tell you what, what we do at my house. We just, did, we just did away with our family vacation for this year. And we took all that money and we took Micah and Zach, my two sons, in the ministry to Sydney, Australia, to a conference. And we said, we're not going to do, there's all things we're not going to do because we're going to take this money, we're going to invest it in their leadership. Does that make sense? When I first got saved, I went to conferences and slept in cars and didn't have the money to eat, but I was hungry to grow. Now, we got this oppressive spirit over East Tennessee. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And we think we're stuck where we are. Well, let me tell you, in Jesus' name, you are not stuck. In Jesus' name, you should have it, you should have it, and you know, uh, you should have this desire to increase. Amen? An instinct. The master called the servants, and he gave one five talents, he gave one two talents, he gave one one. The master comes back later, the one that had five, how many did he have? Ten. The one that had two, how many did he have? Four. The one that had one, how many did he have? One. And the master is ripping mad. He says, you lazy, wicked servant. Now I'm reading that parable, I say, well, it's not fair. That's not fair. Did the master tell the one that had five to do anything with it? Well, no. What about the one that had two? No. They had an instinct to increase. Are y'all out there? Because I hear you breathing. (laughs) See, and so you've got to go to events like this, read books, get a plan to get better. And so I want to challenge you guys need to be there. Oh, well, God can never use me. Listen, if he can use the washed up, used out, needle freaking dope addict and dealer from the projects with no dad and no leadership and no nothing to build one of the greatest churches to today of Pentecost at Faith Promise, he can use you to do greater things. Y'all believe that? So you got to prepare. So I want to challenge you, sign up. Amen? Now, some of you are working jobs you can't go. I got that. I understand. But some of you can. Some of you can get off work. You say, well, I'll use a couple days vacation. It'll cost money. Listen, invest in getting better for God. Invest in sharpening the axe. Does does this make sense? Come on. Do we want want God to use us to build a great church? Then you got to have great leaders. The great leaders got to get better. Are you all with me? So, man, I want to challenge you. Go online, sign up, Global 13, man, sign up, and let's come and let's get enriched by people who've done it. Let's all grow. Let's sit around tables in this room and, and let's take notes and let's be better and say, God, what you have given us, we have multiplied and we give ourselves back to you to be used. Amen. Amen. Now, we're in a series that I could not be more stoked about. It's called The Fun House. I've never heard of you. I'm on the down low. This place is my legacy. Impressive, no? It looks so fun. I'm about to dart. So much to see. Where do I start? Now, this is no home, no business or school. There is, however, just one rule. This rule must be followed, and it must be met. All you must do is have fun, my pet. Let my words swarm to you and stick like fleas. Forget all your laws and forget all the decrees. First up, we have the mirror maze. Go on, child. Give it a gaze. And off Debbie went at an excited pace until she was stopped by her very own face will be easy she said with a grin as she wandered off deep deep within now you and I know what's morally right and morally wrong but in this dark place they sing a different song what Debbie was seeing 
was not what was reflecting. The darkness seemed good and had a positive effecting. Each turn she took had its own toll. She continued on as time started to roll. <laughs> mirror, mirror, made from frost. Can you tell me who is lost? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's little Deb Deb. She's lost in your maze, and she's caught in your web. At that moment in Debbie's blight, she saw her chance and went back toward the light. Well, look who made it out. Tell me, how did it go, Girl Scout? Those mirrors aren't normal. That glass lied. It didn't reflect out, it reflected my inside. The things I saw in mere reflection, nasty vice and spiritual depression. Oh, cheer up, lass, you'll be fine. As fortune cookies say, better luck next time. Now this next one's good, it never fails. Off we go into the bed of nail. See, in this series, The Fun House, it is, The Fun House is, is operated by the enemy that is clear in scripture that we live in a world that's empowered by the devil. The world is set up as a, as a fun house and an altered perception to, to, for deception to end in our destruction. That is, that, of that, that is absolutely clear. We have to see that. We have to understand that. We have to get that. If you missed last week, and I really want to challenge you to go online, get a free DVD, uh, get a free CD, get, get whatever, and, and, and get last weekend because we laid a biblical foundation for this series. And it's critical that we, that we under, do we still believe the Bible? That we get the biblical foundation because this series could be one of the most liberating that we have ever done. Because it is clear from Scripture that the enemy uses the fun house, which is the world that we live in, to attract us and to attack us. And because Romans says that we are born in Adam, i.e. we got Adam's DNA, which is a DNA for destruction, or that we have this nature to sin. We, we all have a nature to sin, right? And if you've ever wondered that, all you have to do is have children. Little blessings are born sinners. You don't have to teach your kids how to lie. It's automatic. It's standard equipment. Taking what's not theirs, you don't have to teach them how to do that. It's automatic. So we understand that. And because that's true, we are attracted to the fun house, this, this, this designed around our flesh. The theme for the series is 1 John 5, 19. And we know that we are from God. Anyone here from God? Come on, anybody here from God? Okay, amen. Talk to the right people. And you, some of you didn't raise your hand. That is great. We're glad you're here and we're thrilled, and you can learn sort of along with us as you make your decision whether you're going to turn to Jesus or not. But we know that we are of God, and that, let me tell you what else we know. We know that the whole world, the cosmos, the Greek word, the, the, the world set up to function without God, the fun house. We know that the whole fun house lies in the power of the evil one. Who's the evil one? Who? So the whole world that we live in is empowered by the evil one. We got that. James 4.4 says this. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the funhouse is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the funhouse makes himself an enemy of God. Now, Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. The father of lies has transformed the creation that God gave for us into a place of destruction for us. The word sounds the warnings all the way through. Now, my question is this. If you're listening, Sam, can you hear me? 
Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Because let me tell you what Jesus said all the time. Can you hear me? In Revelation, seven times with the seven churches, Jesus said, for him that has ears to hear, let him, let him what? Here. He said it while he was teaching. The kingdom of God's come close, and you didn't hear it. Your ears are dull. Your eyes are blind. All the time. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Why did he say it? Because so many of us sit in church every weekend and don't hear. And, and let me give you sort of a word picture. I almost called this sermon weeds and seeds. Not weed and seeds, but weeds and seeds. <laughs> I got it out of Matthew 13. A couple weeks ago in my quiet time, I was getting ready for the youth camp, our first youth camp. And I was reading Matthew 13, and it's a very well-known passage of Scripture. Jesus gives the parable of the four kinds of soils, or the parable of the sower. Sower went out to sow, and he spread the seed. Some seed fell on the road. Some seed fell on the path. Some seed fell among the weeds or the thorns, and some seed fell among the good soil. And the good soil produced a crop 30, 60, or 100 times more than was planted. And then when after Jesus got done preaching... He and the disciples were hanging out at Starbucks, having a cup of coffee after it was over. <clears throat> and, and the disciples said, you know, Lord, we didn't get it. We didn't, we didn't get it. Have you ever read a passage of Scripture and say, God, I don't get that? Of course you have. We all have. I don't get that. Lord says, well, let me tell you, people throughout history have longed to know what you know, see what you see, hear what. Matter of fact, your eyes are blessed, your ears are blessed, because it has been given known to you the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he said, I'll tell you what it means. It means that I am the sower and I have gone out sowing the seed, and the seed's the word of God. Some of the seed falls upon the, upon the road. It doesn't do anything. Some seed falls on the hard path. It springs up, and then before the day's over, it dies. Some seed falls among the weeds, and it, the thorns, it grows up, but the weeds choke out the seed, and it dies. And some seed falls on the good soil. And, and, and so they say, okay, we get it. Then he turns right around with them, and he teaches another lesson that I had not put the two together, but the two are actually one. He, in, in verse 24, the parable of the wheat and the tares, he said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. God always sows good seed, doesn't he? God's sowing good seed. And so a couple weeks later, the wheat began to come up, and the servants go to the master and say, sir, did you buy junky seed? Because this seed sucks. Have you noticed that there's weeds all in the, that there's weeds all in the seed? And what did the, what did the owner of the, of the farm say? An enemy has done this. Now, I want you to get that. <clears throat> An enemy has done this. What do you want us to do? Leave it. And in the end, when the angels reap the harvest, the wheat's going to heaven and the weeds are going to hell. And, and, and he warns us of the, of the weeds in our heart that choke out the word of God. Does this make sense? And so, can you hear? Well, let me, let me, I'm going to give you a visual on this one. I don't do this often, but let me give you a visual. Up on the screen, you, you're going to see something in my front yard. That is a fern, a well-planted fern. fern. It is growing. It's doing really well. I weeded that little teardrop in my driveway, and then Michelle and I were gone for two weeks, and I came back, and on one of my ferns, I saw this, a beautiful flower. Now, some of you are horticulturally sound enough to say, that's not a pretty flower. Anybody know that's not a pretty flower? Come on, don't lie. I will, you'll call its name. Okay, see, most of us say, well, look, a flower's growing. But after two weeks, I want you to notice what that flower did. That's my fern. You say, where's the fern? Exactly. 
The fern is being choked out by the weed. Now, if I don't pull that weed from all around that fern, what will happen to that fern? It'll what? Listen. There are so many hearts here this weekend in this service that look just like that picture. God has planted in your heart the word, but the fun house has sowed the weeds. And the weeds choke out the seeds. The weeds choke out the purpose and the plan of God in your life because the fun house is here as this act of spiritual war to stop anything God wants to do. But he warns us twice in verse 7 of Matthew 13. He says, others fell among the thorns and the thorns choked them out. Verse 22, the one whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, but the worry of the fun house. How many of us worry about our 401k, our health care, our future, our kids, their education, our house, our job? Our Do we ever worry about that? Come on. Don't make me call your name. I will point out people. The worries of the fun house, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke out the seed, and it produces no harvest. Beware of the weed. As we talk about what God wants, I'm going to make a statement. I hope you believe this. We love you with everything that we are at Faith Promise. Y'all believe that? And we want for you, your heart, to produce a bumper crop of a hundredfold more that God plants in you. We want you to be the servant that got five talents and made it ten. We want you to be one of increase, one of blessing. We want God to move in your life because we believe that's what God wants to do in your life. And so, man, that's what we pray for. That's what we look. But the problem is that we all live in the war zone called the fun house. Amen? And the fun house is set up to destroy us. It alters our perception so that we will we'll enter into deception so that we will be destroyed. Now, the question I said we were going to talk about this weekend is how do you put the boat in the water, no water in the boat? Because if you go to a lake and you put the boat in the water, it's fun. But if you put the lake in the boat, it's not. Amen? So how do we, the Bible says, to be in the fun house and not of the fun house? How do we walk, as Second, as First John says, our faith and overcome the fun house and be victorious? How do we do that? How do we walk that? See, because when you were saved, those of you that are born again, when you were saved, your passport was stamped heaven, cha-ching, by the blood of Jesus, sealed by the Holy Spirit, written in the last book of life. And when you get to heaven, you'll pull your passport out, red with the blood of Jesus, and you'll be allowed because your sins are forgiven and your passport stamped heaven. Amen? That's a good thing. But see, most of us think that's all that Jesus did on the cross. He stamped, I got forgiven, my passport signed, and now I just got to muddle through this world. No, you're to be an overcomer. You're to be victorious. You are to make an impact in the fun house. The problem is this. Listen, if you're listening, Sam, the fun house is not your home. We're passing through. Where are we going? Where? Heaven. Man, we're on our way to Heaven. And while we're on our way, the devil's going to do everything you do to scar you, to mark you, to move you, to destroy you, to ruin your marriage, ruin your business, ruin your group, ruin your ministry. Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So what do we do? How do we walk in this world to be not of the world? How do we get the boat in the water and the water not in the boat? How do we live in the fun house and not be of the fun house? Well, it's how you view it. Now, let me tell you how not to do it. You don't do it like a monk. The monastery method has never worked. But for 21 centuries, this is what people have done. They've read the Bible. They read the warnings that God says, beware the fun house, and so they go move into a cave. They put a wool cloistered cloak on. They eat, you know, beets and, and 
and they eat beetles and they eat pine cones and they live outside of the world because they don't want to be unstained by the world. That's just absolutely not what the Word of God teaches. Amen? It doesn't say to be monastic. It says to be in the world and not be of the world. So how do you do that? Well, first off, it's how you relate to the cosmos and you have to realize that the cosmos is a killer. The world, the funhouse is set up to suck you in and ruin you, destroy you. It's set up to fill your boat with water and sink your battleship. Does that make sense? So how do you as a believer relate to the world? There are four pictures. There are more than that, but God gave me four pictures. I was praying about you and about us. And man, and, all, and I wasn't even thinking about this series. And boom, all four of these pictures just lined out. And I said, oh, thank you, God. That's a whole sermon. That's how we're supposed to be. So I opened my iPad. I wrote the outline down, and I went back to praying. And so these are the four pictures that God gives me. So I want you to write these down, get some lipstick, mascara, pen, pencil, something, stick your husband's finger with your pen, and, you know, and write it in blood. But you got to get these five, four pictures down and live out these four pictures. Are you ready? Say, we're ready. Ready, 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 rumble, baby, let's get it. Number one, salt and light. Salt and light. That's what we are. In the most, in the most famous sermon ever preached by our Lord Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 13, Jesus said, you are the salt of the world, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp, puts it under, uh, puts it under a bushel, but they light it so there will be light in the whole house. You are a city set upon a hill. We are salt, we are light. Amen? Are we? Salt and light. So what does salt do? Because young adults don't get salt like senior adults get salt. See, there are people in this room that still remember when there was not a refrigerator that gave out ice and water. And there was no such thing as that. There was, there was you kill a, a hog or you kill something and, you, and you, you put the meat into what? Salt. And the salt preserves. As saints, we are the preservatives of God's word and God's will in this world. We are to... We are to preserve it. Salt also purifies. Now, when I was a kid and you got cut, everything they put on you hurt. Mercurochrome, iodine, alcohol. There was no such thing as hydrogen peroxide for sissies that had little bubbles. <laughs> Man, I was a kid. They just grabbed the salt off the table, rubbed it in. Up to school, uphill both ways. But see, the, the deal is that Anything that purifies hurts, and so you get, hurt, you get cut and you put salt in it, it's going to hurt. But see, the church's job is to purify this wicked funhouse. We're to bring a purifying effect because the devil is out for destruction and God is out for life. And so we do that. It, it purifies. It preserves. It protects. It's our job to protect each other and God's word in this wicked world. And Jesus said, if the salt loses its flavor, what's it good for? Nothing. It's fourth and long, baby. It's punt. It is good. Well, I'm glad I didn't rip my pants. It is, it is good for absolutely nothing. It's good for nothing. He said, you're the salt of the world. See, we don't wake up thinking, salty. I'm just going to dump some salt. We don't do it. Come on. We wake up stuck in the fun house. Jesus also said, we're light. What does light do? It dispels darkness. Light drives out darkness. It, it just does. That's what it does. It, it, and so is the fun house dark? See, the fun house is empowered by the enemy, the evil one, Jesus said. And so we know that it's dark, and it's our job to shine the light. Now, th this is the deal. Darkness has always hated the light, hasn't it? See, darkness crucified our Lord. And there's sinful darkness. There's even religious darkness. 
These are religious leaders that killed the Lord. And this is the deal. School's about to start. Students excited about that? I thought maybe one egghead would be thrilled about that. Now, I used to think that students hated it and teachers loved it because teachers were there to torture us. They lived at school, and they wanted to get us there, and they wanted to torture us. Now I've realized the only group that hates school more than students is the teachers. They don't want to go back to, dear God, pull the Joshua deal, turn the clock back to June the 30th. We don't want to go back. But, the, but, but and so we're going to school. Now imagine this. It's the first day of school, Mom. Six o'clock, you walk in, you flip the light switch up in your child's room, and they're going to say, whoa, good morning, world. It's the first day of school. I'm thrilled to get up. Come on, Mom. We're going to be the salt today. It's going to be a glorious day. Is that what your kid's going to say? If they do, they need counseling. Because that's not what kids do. No, they're going to be mad. They're going to say, Mom, cut off the light because they don't want to get up. Because, you know, when they're three, four, five, they got up early in the morning. You remember that? They start going to school. They become vampires. Summer starts. They want to not get up at 6 in the morning. They want to get up at 6 in the evening. And they don't want to go to school. And can I tell you, the darkness has always hated the light. It never has liked the light. And this is a problem. How many young adults, if you're 30 or younger, hold your hand up. 30 or younger. Oh, this is by far the youngest service. Yeah. Some of you are 31. Sucks to be you. And so, <laughs> so here's it. Here, um, did, that, did that come out? That, uh, uh, Larry, take that off the tape. And so this is the deal. And this is one of the grandest mistakes in the spiritual kingdom with young adults. And I'm not joking, so I want you to get this, especially young adults. See, young adults think it's their job to make the fun house like the church. You know, if we're just nice, they'll like us. See, and so what we've got to do is we've got to cut the light down because we're offending the darkness. And so let's don't tell people they've sinned. Let's don't tell people that homosexuality is a sin. Let's don't tell people that greed is a sin. Let's just make everybody like us. Can I tell you something? Jesus, the Lord of glory, the living word of God, resurrected from the dead, said they hate me, they'll hate you, they crucified me, they're going to crucify you, they're going to throw you in prison, they're going to throw you in jail, they're going to kill you, going to stone you, going to rock you, they're going to hate you every day because darkness has always hated light. You can't make darkness like light. You can't say, but we do good things, and Hollywood should like us, and people should like us. We're light, church, and we shine light in the darkness. It will always hate it. People come to church, and they're lost, and they, they walk in, and the Spirit of God is in here. And we're having fun. We're worshiping. We're doing stuff, and they feel guilty that last night they were drunk at Cotton Eye Joe's. They feel bad that they spent all week eating lunch at, you know, over there at Hooters, checking out Hooters and eating wings. And they come in here. Isn't that what you do? <laughs> Dear God, how does he know? I don't know because I've never been. <laughs> I'm not going to a restaurant where they name, it's named Hooters. Is that a drink they serve? Uh, and so, and, and, and so this is the deal. We, well, let's, and so people come in and they feel convicted of their sin. Are you with me? They feel convicted, and this is what they say. Well, these, these Christians are a bunch of judgmental. They think they're better than me. Nobody said a word to you, sir. 
It's the Spirit of God that said you're going to hell. Wake up and you blame us. See, the darkness has always hated the light. Quit trying to make them like us. Let's just show the love of God to them and a bunch of them will be saved and they'll come be a part of us. But you don't act like them to get them to be like us. Does this make sense? This rebel, it's the best sermon you ever, pastor, this is preaching. Get them! And so, and see, do we wake up saying, salt and light, baby, today? No. I'm going to go in the fun house. See, our job's not to blend in. Our job's to stand out. Our job is to shine light. If we're, do we want to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee? Then you got to shine the light in the darkness. And they're never going to say, oh, thank you so much. You know what they're going to say? Does he know what that means? Yeah, I get out of my office every now and then. But that's what they say to us, isn't it? Because they hate the light. Our faith overcomes the world. Number three, are you ready? You say, no, pastor, we can't take any more. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Number three is a soldier. I mean, number two. God, we only have two. I got to. Yeah, Lord, where did the time go? All right, hurry, fast, soldier. And you say, listen, take your time preaching that 30 minutes and leave your kids with those people back there. Because your, your kids are awful. Yeah, some of you. Dear God, give us 30 more minutes without the hellions. Yeah, but those, listen, those wonderful people that are back there serving your hellions, they're back there to see, no, my kids, yes, I had three just like them. I would have given them away. Nobody took them. We left them in church. They brought them home. There's Faith right over there. We left her everywhere. She showed back up the door said, dang, she made it back. And then we had Mike and Zach, and we just killed herself. Okay, this is, this is the deal. You're a, you are a soldier. 2 Timothy 2, 4, no soldier in active service entangles himself with the everyday affairs of life so that he may please the one that enlists him as a soldier. Question, are you a soldier? Is the church the army of God? God save you. God call you. You part of the army of God. Then you're a soldier. And the problem is, it says, beware soldiers, don't entangle yourself, which means to involve or inweave yourself with everyday affairs of life. See, the problem is, is that we make our focus making the fun house as good as it can be. And we fall in love with our stuff, our money, our success, our homes, our cars, our 401ks. We fall in love with the world, and our focus gets fully on the fun house, and we don't focus on the Father. And the fun house consumes us. Is that a fair statement? And then we're no longer good soldiers for God because we're so entangled with everyday affairs of life that we can't please the one who enlisted us, who died for us. Now, let me tell you what's happening. The Spirit of God's moving on you right now. We could quit. I'm not going to, but we could. Because God is, not only am I giving you information, but the Spirit of God is giving you application in your life right now of things that you're thinking, dang, man, I'm, he's, he's right. And the Spirit of God is taking the Word of God and he's, he's, he's reflecting it in your life of where you're entangled, therefore you cannot be a good soldier. Does this make sense? Are you with me? So number three, you're an ambassador. In the middle of the greatest paragraph of spiritual warfare in the New Testament, which is Ephesians chapter 6, Beware of the schemes of the devil, stand firm, get dressed, put on the whole armor of God, pray in the spirit, all that kind of stuff. The paragraph finishes with Ephesians chapter 6 with Paul saying this in verse 20, I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The deal is in the middle of warfare, which Paul says we're in this fun house, we're in this warfare, my job is an ambassador. What's an ambassador do? Represents someone else, right? 
If you're the United States of America an ambassador to the United Nations, who do you represent at the United Nations? And I say, it's not your empire, not your kingdom, not your plan, not your agenda, not your future. As an ambassador, it's your job to represent the person who has sent you to represent them, right? When you were born again, you became an ambassador of the Lord, and it's not your job to build your empire, your kingdom. He said, I'll build your, I'll take care of everything you need. It's your job now to represent me to a world. Does that make sense? Do we view life like that? Do we wake up and say, hallelujah, I'm an ambassador for God today. He's going to give me appointments today. I'm going to have opportunities today. Is that how we get up and look at life? No, come on, no. Because we're consumed with the fun house. Let me give you one more, a missionary. The word's not in the Bible. What is a missionary? A missionary is someone who's sent on a mission. Now, has God given faith promise a mission? Excuse me? Are you part of faith promise? Therefore, do you have a mission? Have you been sent? Oh, did you hear that? Let me, let me, has God given faith promise a mission? Has God given you one? So see, you are someone sent on a mission for God. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations or the ethnos, the ethnicities. That's why faith promise ought to be red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. It didn't say go to Africa. It said, as you are going to the ball field, to the work, on vacation. As you are going, it is your job to make disciples. No, Pastor, it is your job. It's our job to be engaged in the fun house. It's your job. No, that just is stupid as a stick. It's all of our jobs, right? Right? As you're going, make disciples of all that. Baptism. We baptize every service. We've seen families baptized. Others of our campuses have baptized. Man, people are being saved. It's great. The problem is this. Are you ready? Thousands of us wake up every day focused on the fun house, not God's plan. We're an ambassador for God, yet we worry about our end. We're a missionary for him, and yet worried about our agenda. We're a soldier, yet we're so entangled with the everyday affairs of life that we can't please one of the listeners. And we're salt, many times it's lost to savor in life that does not want to shine. So therefore, we're easy pickings for the world. Why? Because we just naturally want to move to the world. And we wonder, where's the joy, peace, victory? Where's the power? Well, we lost it because we got so entangled in the funhouse. Imagine this. Are you ready? Wake up tomorrow morning. Woo! Thank God it's a new day. Man, the power of God's on me today. Man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do, the potential for miracles today. I'm going to get up, and when I leave, I'm going to be a missionary for Jesus. I used to want to go to Africa. Now I'm just going to the cubicle next, next to me. I'm going to the neighbor across the street. I'm going to the ball field. I'm going to the next class. I'm going to homeroom. Man, I'm going today as a missionary for Jesus. I'm going today as an ambassador. I'm going to have divine appointments. God's going to open up door. I'm going to walk in, and I'm going to represent Jesus to people that don't know him. I'm going to be salt today. Man, I'm just, I'm going to be light today. I'm just going to. I'm going to do that again because some of y'all here didn't get that. Every day I'm just going I'm, I'm to shine <laughs> on the world because I'm light today. I'm salt today. I'm going to have appointments today. God's going to empower me today. Life is going to rock today because I'm living for Jesus. Is that how we live? Four of you. <laughs> See, we don't live like that. Why, pastor? Because the fun house has sucked us in. Does that make sense? God's called us to make a difference. God's called us to, to win and be victorious. And we know because we're sucked in the fun house. Can't make a difference. Can't do the deal. Why? It's the fun house. It's the fun house. It's just sucking us in there. See, God, most of us live, dream of living a life like that. Here's the life we're living. Here's the life God destined us to live. We've got to close the gap. Amen. 
So the first step, see, you can't fulfill all these roles if you don't have a relationship. So let me ask you, come on, let's be real, a thousand people in this room. If you say, Chris, man, I'm not, I'm not sure if I have a relationship with Jesus. I, I'm not, I, I just don't know, man. I, but I want to know today. I'm not sure. Just lift up your hand. Come on. Just be, be bold. Lift it up. Come on. Right here. Right over there. Come on. Come on. Lift it up. Right back here. Here we go. Right here. Come on. Come on. Church, give my hand. Who else? Come on. Over here. Hold up your hands. Come on. Hold them up. Man, right here. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. That's the deal. I'm in so much trouble, so I'm going to try to hurry. Let's, let's pray this prayer aloud with those folks who just raised their hand. Come on, church, pray it with them. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm sorry. Come into my heart and be my Lord. You died for me. You rose from the grave. And by faith, I will live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, hallelujah, amen. Come on. Now. Now, this is the deal. Some of you say, you know what, I'm saved, Chris. I'm so consumed with the fun house crap, man. I, the Spirit of God has been all over me in this message. Don't ever go away because you come back and preach like this. So, you know, what, what, what is the, if you're saying, man, that's me, I, I want to be a missionary. I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a soldier. I want to be salt and light. But, but I've got I've to figure out how to get untangled so that I can do it. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just stand up so we can pray for you. Come on, Bebo, right now. Stand up. All over. Come on, stand up. Come on. Stand it up. Come on. Give my, give my hand, church. Come on. Stand up. Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Come on. Come on. I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna, we're going to pray. Listen, this right here, this is my man right here on the front row at my house in a Bible study every Tuesday, called to the ministry. That whole row, a bunch of radical, supernatural teenagers right there, students, thank God for them and God's raising another generation up in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Holy God, right now we confess that the world is a fun house. It sucks us out, it attracts us, it attacks us, and it's here to destroy us. And we rebuke it in Jesus' name. You said by our faith we're going to overcome the world. You said that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the fun house, and we are greater. We have the word, the power of God. Now, Lord, untangle us so that we could serve the one who died for us, rose from the grave, who is living forever. God, give us a spirit of increase so that we can grow in ministry and in serving, that we can receive, that we can believe. God, build a church here like, just God, use us to build one of the greatest churches since the day of Pentecost. Set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, somebody give God praise in the house. All right. Trying to get some oxygen. Uh, this is the deal. We're going to have pastors. Guys, come on down, gals, up front. So if you need somebody to pray with you, there are going to be people up here. Or take your communication card say, I prayed with you, gave my heart to Jesus today. We're going to call you about baptism. Or, hey, I want to be a small group leader. You can, you can always go to the next steps before, after every service. There are always pastors out there. Uh, or I need to sign up for, you know, next steps. Or I need to, I need to talk to somebody about being a group leader. I need to, you know, God is, God is moving on my heart. And so fill the communication cards out. You can put in the offering boxes. By the way, last year, this weekend, $466,000 behind budget. This week, $50,000 ahead of budget. Way to go, God. Way to go, church. Man, thank you. Now, that's it. Listen, look behind you. See those stinking empty chairs? Look back there. I'm going to tell you something. We pay too much money. Amen? Before this series is over and before Labor Day, that's going to be filled. In Jesus' name.
So do you know some people that ought to be here? Y'all know some people that should have been here today? Call them. Say you can't miss the greatest thing we've ever done in church. You've got to be here. Call them, email them, Facebook them, track them down, whatever you got to do, and let's fill this room. Matter of fact, this week, go out and do what Jesus said. Go to the hedges and highways, compel them to come in. The mouse may be full. Walk in victory. Walk over the fun house. Walk, we love it. Be blessed. See you next weekend. Can't